Welcome to E4H Speaks, our in-house podcast featuring E4H team members who keep our firm elevated through talent, commitment, and passion for healthcare design. I'm Cherise Poulin, a partner with E4H Architecture. I'm sitting here with my colleagues in Philadelphia, John Rodenbeck, a partner with the firm, and Rich Carroll, a senior associate. The three of us started the Philadelphia office. So let's kick this off with a pretty easy question. I'm going to go to John first. Who influenced you to get into the design industry? I think my greatest influence was actually my father. He was a licensed civil engineer. And as long as I can remember, actually had his own business. So I think uh, just watching him you know, navigate the, the good times and the bad times through good and bad economies really taught me a lot about business. But then again, I think the, most, the thing I was most fascinated it was watching him draw. He actually had an old drafting table that was clearly older than me. It was it had like iron cranks and gears, and he used to draft on vellum with old calligraphy pens and black ink. And his drawings were truly works of art. I was just mesmerized watching him. And he also, you know, literally talked me into going into architecture because he didn't want me to be an engineer like himself. But uh, I'm glad I did. And and uh, I think uh, I, I think just. Growing up watching him was truly an inspiration for me. So same to you, Rich. Who influenced you the most? Uh, so there, there were actually a bunch of influences for me. I think from the creative side, it was really my mom who uh, always kind of pushed me to be doing creative things, solving problems. You know, she was a school teacher while I was young, and she retired from teaching uh, for a while once my sister and I came along. And she always wanted to be an architect, at least that's what she would tell me. But at that point in time, it was really hard for women to get into architecture school. So uh, she, she went the route that was easy for her, which was teaching. But she really pushed me to think creatively about how to solve different things. Always encouraged me to go out and build stuff. She bought me my first tools. Always encouraged me to be tinkering around, uh, have sketchbooks to think of ideas. I was pretty much, I think, the only kid in my elementary school and middle school which had a sketchbook full of invention ideas. Um, I think I still have it somewhere, actually. And then on the other side, my dad, he's very entrepreneurial, ran a number of businesses and built one business into a very large building products company. So I've, I've always gotten my entrepreneurial side from him. So I was kind of like stuck in between. I, you know, I was the creative who, you know, had a lot of business influence. So we all seem to have this in common. Our, our parents were great influencers on us, as my father also probably was my greatest influence from childhood to really embrace, you know, math and science and design and the arts, and I loved going to the construction site with him. He sold construction equipment, and I'd love to see how the design became the reality. Um, and he always pushed me, even though I was one of the few females sitting in my classes in undergrad and grad, he always pushed me to just you know move forward and stick with my passion. So it's great that we all have family that helped us along yeah, the way. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So E4H is dedicated to healthcare design. Rich, what is it that drew you to focusing your career on healthcare architecture, design, planning? Yeah, so my, my career uh, has been really varied. I've done a lot of different stuff, but I think the, the real primary client type that I've been drawn to over the years have been clients with a mission. You know, I, I've worked for developers who their goal is to make a lot of money 
and then I've worked for developers whose goal is to deliver really great projects. I've worked for institutional clients, you know, and they're all pretty much mission driven. Uh, I've worked for social service agencies, things of that nature. Um, early in my career, I did a lot of public school work and I really enjoyed that. Uh, so I think healthcare was kind of like a natural evolution for me, but I, I literally like stepped into it. I was working on a charter school project in Trenton, New Jersey, had my own practice and they asked me to look at a project for them that was healthcare oriented and was, you know, I had done one little doctor's office once before, but I had never done anything at the scale of, of like a real care type of program. So that, that was 17 years ago now. And, and it's been pretty consistent with, with healthcare and health related clients ever since then. So John, you've had a long career focused on healthcare planning, clinical planning. Um, how did that come to be? Well, in my career, I literally stumbled into healthcare design. I had no idea what it was. I graduated from school, and you can imagine trying to find a job as an entry-level architect at that point was pretty, pretty difficult. But I was living in North Carolina at the time, and I literally was knocking on doors and carrying my portfolio with me, and I, I came across a, a small firm that were, was trying to tap into the healthcare market. And his, uh, the guy who ran it, his wife wrote CONs or Certificate of Needs for the state of North Carolina. And uh, so they were really kind of a healthcare planning firm. And uh, he asked me if I knew any healthcare design and I convinced him I was a fast learner. So he took me in and, and he actually had me shadow patients at a, at a nearby hospital. And you now this was, you know, long before HIPAA and, and patient privacy regulations. So I literally was able to, you know, shadow patients through exams and procedures and operating rooms and their conversations with their anesthesiologists and, and watch them recover, uh, you know, from anesthesia in, in the recovery room and be in, admitted into inpatient beds, just the whole gamut. And that experience, just watching these patients and watching carefully how these, uh, how the staff kind of navigated their spaces really, really kind of brought out in me just this passion to create really safe, effective, and dignified environments for patients and, and staff in hospitals. So a lot of times in healthcare design, you know, we talk about our why, how did this happen? And it took me a little while to discover why I decided to do this with my career. And it started about a dozen years back when I was approached with an opportunity with a prominent architecture firm, and they asked if I would lead the marketing for their healthcare sector, which was the largest within the firm. And I found that really intriguing. But at the time of being hired, none of them realized that I was terrified of hospitals. And that's something that I kept to myself for a little while. One day I had the opportunity to walk into a new cancer center that had this amazing calming experience. It was such an incredible environment. And that was the moment when I realized how significant it is to design for healthcare. And I looked back and thought, wow, I wish that when my grandmother was going through treatment many, many years ago, that this was the experience that her and my family could have experienced. And that's how I decided to stay with this career for so long. So I'm going to move on to another question about our emerging design staff in the industry. And John, would you like to share a little bit of advice with those who would like to follow in your footsteps? 
actually a few things come to mind. And I have these conversations regularly with uh, a lot of the emerging staff and even, even with students who are considering design school. But I think one of the first things I, I would advise younger growing professionals is, number one, a lot of, a lot of firms and a, and a lot of industry leaders really look for professional registrations and getting your license in, in, your, in your special field. And the sooner you start that, the better. You can actually start with your IDP, which is Intern Development Program, get, you know, getting, getting points and getting hours allocated to that even before you graduate from college. And the, every state has kind of a, a program that uh, will advance you to a level where you can actually sit for their, their state exams. And I would advise do it as soon as you can because the, later, the longer you wait, the harder it is to get back and to navigate those exams. The second thing I think is really critical is networking. And I think people don't really understand what their network is. Your network is just everybody that you associate with. And it's, it's so vital, especially in our industry, to be very active in the community, very active amongst your peers, because just conversations and, and opportunities, bring you can bring those back to your company, and it helps you grow yourself and your organization and, and exposure. So it's very, very important. And never underestimate the value of, like, attending a conference or a networking event or jo- joining a committee. It's, it's, all, it's all great exposure. And I think the last thing, and this is probably the most important thing that I've learned, never burn your bridges. It's a, the design community is so incredibly small. I practiced you know, 15 years in New York City, and I'm telling you, even in a city like New York City, everybody knows you. Everybody knows what you've done. Everybody knows what everybody says about you. No matter how hard it is, you know, we all change career paths or we, 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 we switch firms and we go other places, seek new opportunities. Try to never, ever, ever leave on a bad note uh, because that will follow you. So Sam, over to you, Rich. Advice for emerging designers in our industry. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I think my, my first bit of advice is to never be afraid to ask a question. Clearly, we've all been new in our career, and then we've been on the other end of our careers where you know people are coming to us for advice or to ask questions. Um, but at the end of the day, you don't get to know something. You don't get to learn something new if you're not asking the question. And kind of compiled with that is our business runs on, on how much time we spend doing our jobs. If you don't, if you can't ask the question, that means that you're probably sitting there spending way too much time trying to figure it out yourself when you could have bit the bullet, spent a couple of minutes asking a, you know somebody with more experience than you, how do you do something? You get a good answer and you can you know get to your solution uh, rather quickly and, and you learn something and you build a relationship. Uh, it kind of goes back to what John was saying about not burning bridges. Um, you know, you are going to meet a lot of people in your career and, uh, you're going to remember them and they're going to remember you by and large. I think the other, the other important thing for emerging staff to understand is that in this day and age, architecture has become, has become specialized. Uh, You know, when, when I got into this business, my idea was I was going to be the generalist. I was going to do everything and I was going to do everything well, but there wasn't going to be a project type that I couldn't tackle. And that was true for a few years. Uh, But 
probably about 10 years into, into my career, uh, things changed and the generalist really started to disappear. Um, the clients wanted architects who had a lot of experience in their particular project type. Um, even down to the point where some clients wanted to see that you had done multiples of their exact project. And, you know, that's really challenging to try to get that work if you're a generalist. Um, you're going to be relegated to a, a, the types of projects that are going to be few and far between. Uh, so, so really think about what it is that excites you, something that you can really spend time focusing on. It's not to say that you're going to be, you know, X type of architect for 40 some years. You know, I've, I've done educational work for a number of years. I've done, you know, mixed use work for a number of years uh, with a real focus on adaptive reuse. And then I gravitated into healthcare. You can kind of evolve and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you really got to find those lanes that make you uh, really fulfilled. So I've got a question for you too. Why Philadelphia? What, what was so compelling about coming, coming here when you guys were pretty well set in New York? Well, that's a great question, Rich. We, uh, you know, we, we've, both of us have, have been practicing in, in, in large firms in New York City for, goodness, maybe 15, almost more than 15 years. And through the course of our respective, you know, terms at large firms, we've actually been able to tap into the Philadelphia market a little bit and grow relationships. We've done both done work in the Philadelphia market, and you really can't service Philadelphia from New York. You really need to be here, be part of the community, be part of the city, be part of the fabric. And as we were growing our New York City office exponentially over the past five years, it was just a natural extension of our growth trajectory. And we, we were successfully were able to forge some new relationships and great projects, and we're continuing to grow and continuing to expand. Yeah, I think that it seemed, again, a natural progression that we would come to Philadelphia to open an office, given that it is such a, a great city that's acclaimed um, as a med-ed region. There are amazing hospitals, research centers, medical universities found throughout Philly and, and the surrounding area. Um, we've just really seen that the clients here have truly affected modern medicine, and that is the type of client that we want to work with as a healthcare-focused design firm. We also met amazing people in this city that were very welcoming. Um, I was excited to land here in 2018 and create a robust network um, moving forward. And the people that I started with in my network are still my friends and colleagues to this day. And it just seemed like the right thing to do in Philly. We're proud that this was E4H's 10th office. It seemed like the right fit. And I know that we're going to grow it into something truly incredible and special. Yeah, you know, I mean, the one thing that's really amazing about healthcare in Philadelphia is that, you know, the first hospitals in this country were here in Philadelphia. I mean, when I walk to our office every day, I walk past the first hospital in the United States. Yes. It's incredible to think it's still there and it's still functioning as a hospital. And, and here we are 
you know, almost 300 years later, and we're adding to that legacy. I mean, that, that's pretty powerful to think about that role that we have and that responsibility that we have to that history and, and the legacy of healthcare in this country. So I'd like to thank my colleagues for joining me today. Thanks, Sharice. This has been a real pleasure. Thanks, Sharice, and thanks, John. Until the next time. 